I think I, I felt like I knew it was over the horizon, but I, had, I really didn't have any idea. Just the idea of negotiating a lease, figuring out technology, um, dealing with compliance, that was, that was too much for me. And, and after going with Washington Wealth and learning all the different things about pricing and what you're paying for and what you're using, yeah. there was so much more that I didn't even know. So if, if I had decided to go independent, despite my worries about those few things, I would have been quickly overwhelmed by all the other stuff. Okay, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Kester Private Wealth Services Out Loud, where we are amplifying the voices of financial advisors around the universe. I'm joined today by three guests, two teams. First, Krista Murray, CFO of PSM Private Wealth. Welcome. Thank you. Second, Brad Saunders, CEO of PSM Private Wealth. Good to see you, Rob. Welcome. Good to have you here, Brad. And last, Keith Brandt, President of California Wealth Transitions. Welcome, okay. Keith. Thank you. So normally we don't have two teams on together, but this is a bit of a special situation. First, these are two of our longest tenured teams. Uh, Keith, you joined in 2012, right? Yes. And Brad and Krista, you guys joined in 2013, am I correct? Yes. Yes. So you've seen it all as far as our firm is concerned, and I'm interested in your perspectives there. Um, and also because you all have entered into an agreement to conduct a merger whereby Brad and your third partner, Janet Pierce, will retire and Krista and the PSM staff will merge with California Wealth Transitions and Keith. And I think that's gonna be of particular interest to some of our listeners. So we hear a lot about these kinds of transactions and this type of thing being conducted, but it's not often that we get the chance to hear from the people involved on both sides and get their perspectives on the process. So we're, we're really fortunate to have you all here today together. So before we get into all that, Keith, tell us a little bit about your background. You were a long tenured advisor at Merrill, very successful. Um, and you were there for almost 30 years, right? Before making the move to independence? 29 and a half. 29 and a half. <laughs> well, so when you were at that crossroads, if you can remember back that far, um, what were the things that were motivating you to consider making a change? Um, I, I felt that Merrill Lynch had changed, obviously, with the acquisition from Bank of America. And when I looked at what, what the future was at that firm, it became increasingly clear to me that Bank of America had a priority that was different than my priority. Right. And they were making decisions based on what was important to them, but those decisions were different than what was important to me and more importantly, my clients. And so that was why we had decided to leave. And after talking to a number of firms, Kestra was a nice fit. Actually, uh, not Kestra back then, but Washington Wealth Management Washington was a, Wealth nice, Management, yeah. a nice fit between being independent, but not having to deal with all of the issues of being completely independent. Right. I had no idea how overwhelming it was to go from the wirehouse to the independent world. And thank God I didn't go directly independent because that would have been a disaster. Could you tell mm -hmm. that at the time? I mean, I'm always curious because, you know, not everybody that we engage with obviously elects to, to go with us. And sometimes they go to a full independent model where they're setting up their own RIA or what have you. And I always think like, man, I hope you know what you're really getting into. Like at the time, do you remember, could you tell could you sort of look over that horizon and say, man, I, that's just not, that's more than I want to bite off and try and chew. I, I think I, I felt like I knew it was over the horizon, but I had, I really didn't have any idea. Just the idea of negotiating a lease, figuring out technology, um, dealing with compliance. That was, that was too much for me. And, and after going 
with Washington Wealth and learning all the different things about pricing and what you're paying for and what you're using, yeah. there was so much more that I didn't even know. So if, if I had decided to go independent, despite my worries about those few things, I would have been quickly overwhelmed by all the other stuff. Yeah. It's hard to know how much is involved with that. I always wish I, there was a better way for me to translate that for advisors who are kind of on the fence trying to decide. But, you know, sometimes, and it's funny because we do occasionally keep in touch with people and they'll be a year out after having gone in a different direction and they'll say, man, I, I just didn't know how much I didn't know. Um, yeah. You know, we don't hear that in every case, obviously, but, um, you know, Rob, um, uh, Brad and Janet and I, when we were looking, we actually interviewed an advisor with a different firm who was completely independent. Remember that Brad? Oh yeah. And we walked out of that meeting and said, Oh my gosh, this guy spends half of his day just managing all the components of his business down to the toilet in the guest bathroom is broken and I have to figure out how right. to fix it. And we thought there's no way that we want to spend half of our time doing components of our business that aren't client focused. I agreed. And you know, it's funny. You can, you can show people the ITA surveys or the Schwab surveys that show that statistically, right? That you're going to spend 40% of your day, maybe 30% of your day, but you're going to spend a good chunk of your day just fixing the copier or taking care of the cable subscription or whatever. Um, you know, some people just don't want to, they want to DIY it, which is okay. And, and it's like, oh, I, I could make five points more if I did it all on my own. I don't fight with people about that. I, you know, I say, hey, like if that's going to keep you awake at night, then you should go your own way. But I wish I had a better way, and it's really difficult to do it, I think, convincingly without sounding self-serving. I wish I had a better way to demonstrate that, you know, so that we could be... Uh, we could save some people, I think, some headaches. Yeah, but I, th I think on that note, you know, each of those people talk to us. We don't have a motivation to sell them. Or yeah, that's a good point. Firm. Good point. But you're right. You're going to give up maybe five points of margin, yeah. but you're going to create 10 or 15 more because you're not dealing with the minutia of all those other things. Yeah, so, totally yeah. true. In, yeah. in my almost 30-year career, this is the best value proposition I've seen on the street. I appreciate you saying that, Brad. So so let me, let me just take a half a step back. So... Uh, Brad and Krista, you guys came from Morgan Stanley. And so what, where were you at the similar crossroads to where Keith was? What were you guys thinking when you got there and you were ready to make a change? Why don't so, you talk, Brad? Yeah, okay. So I, I may have a little different view because um, I did a few different things at Morgan. And probably my biggest job was I was a regional director in Los Angeles, running right. one of the business units for the firm. Right. And um, I always, I'll you describe it this way. I I never left the firm, the firm left us. And the industry changed and leadership changed. And that was that horrible feeling that it was all about profit and revenue yeah. and a lack of focus on doing what's right for the client. And um, I felt like we didn't have any other option but to leave. It was, it was very frustrating. Fair. And to Brad's point about interviewing other advisors, Janet and I actually came down and met with Keith and we talked to him before we made the decision to come over to, at that point, Washington Wealth. But we did, we probably had about two years of due diligence before we made that decision. Yeah, and Brad's right, we we did the work, but it was absolutely the right place for us to be. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'd forgotten that you guys had gotten down to, to see Keith, but I mm -hmm. but to that, that echoes Brad's point, which is, you know, we should probably have more of the people we're talking to talk to some of our advisors to really cement that idea that there's a lot more to do than you really believe there is, right? 
the, the warehouses are so good at creating an environment where all you have to do is take care of clients and all the back office stuff is done. Yeah. And so independence is a change in that. But I think someplace like here is kind of a halfway point. Yeah. If you're going to a, a start your own IRA, you're not going to have any time for your clients. No, I talk to people yeah. about that all the time, Keith. I think you're spot on. So when, when they ask me to describe Kestra Private Wealth Services, I say, well, if there's a spectrum and Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch are on the right and starting your own RIA is on the left, we're in the middle. You know, because you're a 1099 business owner, you're going to get all the tax advantages of being a 1099 taxpayer and that sort of flexibility, right? Um, but you're also going to get your own brand. You're going to get your own logo. You're going to get your equity in your business, but you're not going to be alone. You're not going to, you're going to be supported in a way that you're used to being supported. And, and we hope that we take that full, full support model of Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, UBS, et cetera and cut out a lot of the bad stuff about it and just leave it as the, the beneficial element of not having to figure out everything on your own. And I would say one of the most exciting parts, one of, well, one of several, but one of the ones for me was the branding part. Yeah. Being able to develop our own marketing plan, yeah. our own brand, be able to, instead of being under such a large umbrella that we didn't stand out to really making a difference to the kind of practice that we were and standing out as that practice. And, and I'm obviously conflicted, but when I go back and think about my career as an advisor, which was a long one, if, if I had been on the verge of going independent, which my partner and I did talk about, um, and he eventually did go independent, by the way, very successfully, um, Dave Armstrong at Monument Wealth Management. Um, if, we, if we had done that, I couldn't imagine going independent under someone else's logo. I mean, you know what I mean? Under like a W-2 model. It's sort of like a, a different version of being at Morgan or Merrill. It's just a smaller version of it. And they're probably nicer and all that kind of stuff. But to me, that doesn't, that doesn't resonate as being independent, right? It just resonates as I'm not at this big behemoth firm anymore that treats me like I'm a number. But anyway, um, so one of the things I think that is uh, unique about all three of you, and Keith mentioned it, is that you know, with we were WWM back then. We were Washington Wealth Management, and you guys literally helped us bootstrap that firm from virtually nothing to where we are today. And so, I just want you to know, and I, and I know Scott Wilson would share these comments. We we cherish our relationship with you, and your loyalty and your faith in us at that time. And um, and thankfully, I think we've been able to reward it um, yeah, over the last almost ten years now, which has been it's been an incredible ride. So. When you look back um, after all these years, is it, has it still, does it still resonate as a good decision? Oh, absolutely. Krista. Oh, <laughs> everybody's <laughs> pointing at me. <laughs> yes, it does. It's funny because we moved on 313.13, so um, wow. we're not into numerology. Yeah, it just happened to be that date. And uh, what was the other thing, Brad? Oh, uh, it was okay. the day they picked the Pope. And so we thought, well, okay, so... We're blessed, but right. uh, you know, we when we made that move, it was it was a challenge. You know, let's be straight; it was uh, very much of a challenge yep. to to make any kind of move. And we could have probably easily gone to another big wirehouse if we wanted to, but that's not what we wanted. That's not what we were looking for. We were looking for more control over our business, and that's what we got. Yeah. And over time, it's evolved, and I think it's become more and more exciting. I think we're, we were closer to the front end of a lot of advisors moving toward independence, and it was absolutely the right thing for us to do. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I reflect back on those days where, um, and you know, the trust is with, you know, Rob with you and Scott, because in the beginning it was a vision. Yeah. And and I remember sitting down with Krista and Janet and said, hey, you know what, we have a successful career. We don't have to leave. Yeah. But, you know, the industry is changing. It doesn't know what it is anymore. And this is our chance to create something great. Yeah. And um, it's been a heck of a ride, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's probably absolutely is the best experience in my career. That's awesome to hear. That's that fun. makes me it's feel really fun. good. Thanks, Brad. Really love to hear that. How about you, Keith? Any thoughts? Yeah, I, th I think that the things I was worried about happening by staying at a warehouse has continued and become even more of a problem now than, than oh, I had yeah. expected. Yeah. I just thought if I want to stay here for the next five years, is my life going to get better or worse? And I was afraid it was going to get worse. And I think it's worse than I would have imagined. Yeah. Um, it's nice to, there's frustrations in our business, but it's nice to have the ability to make your own decisions and not be sort of dictated to. Yeah. You know, it's th that point um, as it relates to Merrill Lynch in particular is, is really um, spot on because even after you joined for a few years, it was rare that we would see a Merrill Lynch person in our recruit pipeline. And over the last, say, 18 months, they've almost moved to the majority position in the pipeline. And there's, there's over 110 million of revenue in that pipeline, and it's at various stages of, of interest, obviously. But I mean, gosh, the number of Merrill advisors in there has just exploded. So there's really, I think they've really hit a, a, a tipping point. Yeah, and I bet in three years it'll be more. Yeah, it's yeah. just a different firm now, yeah. which is fine, but and that's, that's not the way I wanted to be. Well, I'm, and as a former yeah. Merrill person, I was there, I think, when it was good, and um, at least at the tail end of when it was good, and it was good. I mean, when it was good, it was really good, right? Um, but, yeah, I think it took a long time for people's faith in the bull to really die, and I think it, it, for, for a lot of them it really has. So, um, so Keith, if you would, just – Tell us a little bit about your practice, your team, your general philosophy in the business. And, and, if, and if California Wealth Transition stands for something that you can define, we'd like to hear what that is as well. Um, okay, so I'm going to start on the back of that. Uh, we just had our first quarter meeting, and one of the things we were talking about is kind of what do we stand for? And we just tossed around a bunch of different things, and, and we're not done yet. Uh, but the things that sort of came up was, was fun. Yeah, that wasn't one of mine, interestingly <laughs> enough, but but that made it on the list. Uh, excellence. We talk about excellence in advice, excellence in planning, excellence in terms of returns, hopefully, um, and that, that we want to be known as being an excellent firm. And then we talked a little bit about family. So my wife works with me. Uh, my brother is part of this merger is going to be coming over. Right. But we also talked about for for everybody in our firm, we like to think that when something comes up, we're going to behave as if it's a family. So Brandy's grandma was really sick. So she basically was gone for six weeks working from home when she could because she needed to do that. Mm -hmm. And that when things come up, you know, somebody's sick, doesn't really matter what your vacation days or health days are. Everybody knows if you need to do something, just say, look, I got to go. Yeah. And, and the whole group, fine, go do that. So we, we think that that's important in terms of how we treat our people. And we also think that's important relative to our clients. That Sure. We, we value their families and we want to deal with their families up and down and, and we think that's an important aspect. Um, in terms of the firm, uh, there's right now there's myself, I've got a younger advisor, uh, my wife and then uh, two support staff, Brandy and Alex, my daughter who joined us about three months ago. So we, 
We tend to work with more complicated households. We prefer the more complicated they, their situation is, the better we think we are. Yeah. Uh, we focus very much on planning. That's sort of a central theme for us. And we've got a couple of different categories. So the name California Wealth Transitions, people that are about to retire or sell a business, people that are getting divorced, um, or what we call generational planning. So we're trying to help people to navigate some of these things that occur in their life that maybe they only go through once. And everybody goes through something the first time they think, gee, I wish I would have known that. Right. Well, we've done it a few times, so we try and avoid those kind of problems. Right. Yeah. You know, um, you're reminding me of a conversation that I had with Gary Baker on, on the other podcast where he was talking about taking care of his team like they were family and then relying on his team to take care of the clients like they're family. And we were noting that Herb Kelleher said the same thing at Southwest, right? Take care of your employees and they'll take care of your clients. Um, and I think that that's a that's obviously proved to be a good maxim in, in business. So it's, it's good to hear you say that. Um, Krista and Brad, can you do the same, uh, about PSM? Krista, you go. So, um, our business has a lot of similarities to Keith's in the priorities that we have. Uh, we have, uh, two assistants and, one recently had some issues where she had an illness in the family and we said, take the time off. Same thing. We didn't say, oh, this is how many days you get. Um, I think that's very important. For us, our guiding light is our client and their experience and us as a family, a work family. And uh, we are respectful of each other. We've had other advisors come into our office and say, this is really a pleasant place. <laughs> it Not is. all of the, these offices really are, are pleasant. I've been in other offices that weren't. Yeah. And we really, uh, we don't always agree, but we come to agreements and we talk things through. And I think that's what families do. Yeah, so, I agree. I mean, you know, we live every day as a family and yeah. we put each other First, we care about each other and we do the right thing for our partners and our employees. Um, it's hard to follow up on Keith's statement. He said it very eloquently. Yes. And I think that um, the reason we're at the table is because we have overlapping value systems and it fits. Um, and we love our clients. They trust us. Yeah. You know, and they have turned their lives and the well-being of them and their families over to us. And we take it seriously and we do the best we can for them every day. I feel like we're in the same position at PSM, at PSM, at PWS with you all. I feel the same, you know, that, that you all have trusted us and you've turned over a significant um, asset in your life, which is, you know, your career and trusted us with that to, to help you get where you wanted to go. And we, we get up every day committed to making sure that we deliver on that promise. And so... And when, when we hear people say that we've done that, it's the greatest compliment in the world. I mean, being trusted by your clients and being trusted me being trusted by you as my clients is also a huge compliment, right? But the delivery is the key and, um, and, and you all do that very well. So over the last many years, I want to ask you guys what's changed. I mean, you know, when we started the independence base felt a little bit like the wild west and, and you guys were kind of some of the early pioneers. So when you look back on it, um, what's, what's changed in terms of the evolution of your business or the evolution of you as business owners? What do you, what do you all, what are your thoughts on that? So, um, I, I think I'll start by saying that seven, eight years ago, it was a vision. We weren't exactly sure, but we all took the business risk to do this and we were right. 
you know, when we sat down right. and we talked to you that night when we made a decision we were going to do this, um, we saw the same things. And I'm not saying it wasn't scary in the beginning. It was scary. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think that we're ahead of the curve. Well, and I agree. As a team, what ended up happening is we all fell into our individual roles. So when we were at Morgan, we were all kind of doing the same thing with the whole group of clients. So I was doing investing, so was Janet, so was Brett. Then when we made the move, we said, look, you know, let's go ahead and really focus on our strengths. So Janet became our chief investments officer. That's what she focused on, plus a third of the book and she's the point person on. For me, I accelerated my planning knowledge and got my CFP, and that has become a bigger and bigger part of our business. Definitely. And yeah. Brad is in the function of CEO, so he's out there meeting with a lot of our clients and also point person on a number of our clients as well. So for us, I think because we went independent, we have more clarity around what our roles are and how we want to best serve the client, and we have uh, the liberty to do that, which we didn't before. I think that's well said. And, and that's actually a consistent theme when we talk about, you know, what it means to be independent and, and working in this space versus working in all of our prior positions, you know, that freedom to be authentically who you are, right. And, and how you want to present yourself to your clients and, and present your business to your clients. And I think that that authenticity is so important because that's the thing that really engenders deep trust because they know definitively who they're working with, right? It's not this monolith of a firm. It's you guys, it's your firm, it's your brand, and it's everything that you say that it is, they feel that. And I think that that's the thing that makes this so much more special than you know, just being an employee at a, at a big wirehouse. I just add one thing. I think that for our clients, they, they value the advice that we provide to them and the relationship that we have. And I think they like the aspect that it's our business. Yeah. They like the fact that they feel like they're helping us. And at the big wirehouse, it's not that way. Yeah. So I think that it's almost a, a twist that we, I mean, we've had relationships with people for 20 or 30 years. They want us to do well. Yeah. And so having your own business, I think, gives them a way to feel good about you doing well. I totally agree. And it puts you on the same side of the table as a peer, right? In many respects. I mean, you're, you're still serving them. They're still your client. But as business owners, many of them, they appreciate what you're doing to execute on your vision and they know the trials and tribulations of doing it. But they, it also frees them up. And I hear this a lot, too, as, as the CEO of the organization. So when we're bringing people in, um, you know, I'm making those calls to people like, how's it going and welcome aboard and that sort of thing. And one of the things that I hear a lot that I think would probably surprise people but shouldn't is clients saying to, saying to their advisors, like, we're so happy for you. We're so proud of you. What took you so long? You're going to crush it. And by the way, now I can send you business that I couldn't send to you before because even though I love you, I couldn't send my best friend to that firm. You know what I mean? And it, so it's, it's a really, it's a special thing. Um, so just moving on a little bit, one of the commonalities that I see um, between both of your businesses is, as we've just discussed, that you guys have an abiding urge to, to help people. And you've, you've talked about the various levels and ways that you do that. But, it, but it's super genuine um, coming from, from you all. So am I right about that? And can you, can you guys comment just briefly on what drives you in that regard? Like what is, what is it that makes you 
I think, be so um, sincere and, and careful, and I mean that word literally, and thoughtful with your clients? What is the driver for that? I thought what Brad, I thought Brad put it very, very well, that these people have put their faith in us. Yeah. And that's something we take very seriously. Yeah. And we have, we have a big impact in their life. And, and in many cases, our clients talk to us about stuff they don't even talk to their spouses. Yeah. You, know, you have clients in your office and they're like, oh, yeah, we've never talked about this before. So I think that's a very big responsibility. And, and I, we've been doing and these people are our friends. And it's so, the trust, right? It, yeah. It's that trust. So you feel it's reciprocal in a way. I mean, you feel obligated, but in a good way, not in a bad way, obviously. But they, they have placed all that trust, like Brad said. They have placed all that trust in you. And, and so you're, you're, you're ready to go to war, basically, to get it done for yeah. them. Um, okay, Brad, speaking of, speaking of you, um, before we get to the interesting element of the pending merger, um, Brad, I wanted to ask your thoughts about your impending retirement. And, and just, I think that the demographic of our business is such that um, there are a lot of people, a high percentage of people who are probably thinking about it, um, edging ever closer towards it, wondering if it's the right move for them or not. And I'm curious from your perspective, was it, was it a hard decision to come to? Was it an obvious decision? You know what I mean? Did you wrestle with it or did it just feel totally natural to get to this place and say, okay, now's the time. Um, I, th- I think I'll, I'll respond to that by saying, wow, it is, um, you do anything for three decades yeah. and it's hard to let go. I bet. Um, the comfort is that um, we've known Keith a long time. He's somebody I've always looked up to. And there is um, a sense of peace knowing that these people who have trusted you for decades um, are going to be okay. So it's that relationship that matters to me. Um, but it's harder than you think. Yeah. And, the, and the other thing that uh, if I can give anyone listening any advice, you have to plan ahead. So this is, this is a long process, and Crystal will talk about that, and Keith will talk about it more in detail. Um, but you need to be thoughtful. So um, you got to plan for the end. All waves come to an end. <laughs> and so uh, you gotta, you got to plan for it in advance. And sometimes it's a, it's a couple years before you get there. That's a really good point, and I'm, that actually is probably the the, the most informative thing. You're, you know, everyone's going to have their own emotions about it. You know, whether it's time to hang them up or not, and when that is, and what have you. But you're, the the thing that doesn't change is your point that you need to plan ahead and you need to be prepared. All waves do come to an end. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I I think that this industry separate from retirement struggles with succession planning on the most elemental level. So, you know, you've got a team of three advisors who are independent and own a business together, but have no, you know, demonstrable succession plan. So what happens if somebody gets hit by the crosstown bus? You know, so many firms don't know. And that's another thing that I think people need to take the time to plan. We're, we're sometimes we're like the, the cobbler's kids with no shoes. You know, we're doing all the planning for all of our clients and forgetting that we, you know, we have a certain amount of planning that we need to do for ourselves. So thank you for sharing that, Brad. So with all that said, um, let's dive in real quickly in our limited amount of time left to discuss the process behind your deal and coming to an agreement on that. And without getting into the financials, obviously, of the decision, um, how did the wheels get turning on this front? I think I know, but I'm not sure I know the answer to how this all got, how this process got started. Who knows? Or who I'm wants trying to, answer? to remember back to the very <laughs> beginning. <laughs> I think 
that it started that we came to you and Scott and said that we looked, we were looking at possibly selling our practice. I think that's right. Yeah, and I that. so um, then we started talking about Keith and we knew Keith. Uh, like I said, Janet and I had met with Keith when we first made the move over to Washington Wealth. And then we'd seen Keith at meetings and that type of thing. And mm-hmm. so we kind of um, got to know each other. And then we started going down the path and really looking at uh, who we were as advisors and then all the nitty gritty of pricing and terms and all that as well. So right. that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so the wheels got turning and you guys went back and forth for about nine months, right? Yes, we did a little off bit and of on back a little and bit. forth, yeah. When you had time to kind of deal with it, and sometimes you didn't, and then negotiating, hammering out various items, it took a while, right? Yeah, it's a long, it's a long process. We just called it deliberate earlier and made everybody yeah. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, it was deliberate, right? I mean, yeah. it has to be. I think that from my perspective, I could not find a better match in terms of a firm to, to acquire or merge with. I've looked at a lot of firms over the past and discarded all of them for one reason or another. And I think this is as aligned of businesses as we could hope to find between their business and our business. That's great, yeah. And yet it still took probably a year and a half between making sure it was a match, talking about what's important to us, how we take care of our clients, what our clients look like, and then the negotiations, and then you get the attorneys and the CPAs, and it's it's a lot. And yeah. it, I mean, it's a lot that we've worked together on it. and. They're, they're a good team. They did a lot of work on this stuff before I was even on the scene. So I, I think it's, it's a long process. True. I think it's a long process. And we did, just like when we made the move, we did a lot of due diligence on our part. Right. And we made sure that we fully understood what our book looked like so that we could convey that to a buyer. And then we did get competing bids. The most important thing to us, though, was, like I said at the beginning, the client. And how was our client going to be taken care of? And that's why the match of our two firms was so critical. And our faith in Keith in particular and how he runs his business made all the difference in the world for us. I can see yeah. that. And I want to I add one more thing is that, that all three, Brad, Janet, and Krista, have, have been involved in the process, but more importantly to me, are going to be involved for the next six months to 12 months as needed to make sure that, that we understand the clients and we know what's important before they're gone. That's going to be and If they said they wanted to turn over the business to be gone next week, that, that wouldn't work for us. And did you all, did you all negotiate any sort of performance on the back end on that front? Was that part of the we, process? We, we, we do, do. We do have a clause. It's, it's really, it's interesting. It's more about what the market does than about what they do. Okay. Got so, it. It, you know, that's kind of what the concern is. Got it. Well, unfortunately, we have run out of time, and not, it's really bad when the compli- chief compliance <laughs> officer is scowling at you from outside the booth. Um, really quickly. And he doesn't scowl normally. <laughs> I call that a scowl, Mike Bedlow. Um, <laughs> really quickly, um, because you guys are so long tenured, I don't want to leave without squeezing this in. Um, you've been doing this a long time and you came from the places that all the advisors that we work with are sitting in today thinking about a potential move based on everything that you've experienced and everything that you know what advice do you have for people who are considering making a move to independence you will never be free until you leave 
you have to leave. Yeah, the thing that people that we interviewed who had gone independent told us, look, when you initially make the move, it's not going to be easy. Right. But it is totally worth it. It'll be the best decision you ever made, and it certainly was for us. And the help of Kestra and the structure made all the difference in the world as well because I don't right. want to be the person worried about whether or not you know the toilet is broken or <laughs> the copier needs fixing, whatever it is. I want to focus on my clients. I hear you. I, I would say the, a wirehouse is a great training ground to yeah. become a professional in this business, Yeah, but they don't ever let you then take advantage of all that training. They go off on your own, then you're, you can be an expert. At the wirehouse, you can't be an expert. You're the same as the person that started last month. And you never own anything. Right. Okay, guys. Well, look, I'm sorry we ran a little out of time here at the end, but uh, this has been very informative. I'm sure people are going to get a lot out of it. And maybe we'll reconvene and, and do another one at a later date um, and dive into more of the, uh, the M&A part of it. So having said that, Krista, Brad, Keith, thank you for your thank time you. today. Thanks thank for you, being Rob. with me. 